Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you'll be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Alright, let's go to Luke 5 verse 37. We have been in a series, it's a strange name that if you're not used to this as a Bible term, you might go, what on earth are they talking about? Well, let me help you. It will make sense to your life. Luke 5 verse 37 is Jesus speaking and is using a metaphor, a picture of something that was so well known to the people of his day, everybody there would have got it. Now, perhaps nowadays you mightn't be able to get it. Anybody here forgotten to take your shopping bags since they have cancelled the free shopping bags? Anybody here like me? How many times you've gone, oh, heck, I didn't bring them. Anybody here like me gone juggling through the supermarket, got 20 things and you're holding them all in your arms, walking down the, the aisles of the, of, the sh- of the supermarket, getting to the thing where you dump them all and they fall over the self-check-in thing and you go, do I spend 15 cents and buy another bag to go with the 300 that are behind the front door and the 60 that are in the boot of the car? Or do I think I can make it to the car? How many people like me go, I can make it to the car? How many people like me didn't make it to the car? Well, think about what I'm about to read as though this is your shopping bag. Jesus said, no one puts new wine into old wineskins. That was a vessel to carry this refreshing liquid. For the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. Now I want to pray, not because it's the religious thing to do and this is how you start to preach. I want to pray because I believe that what God has put in my heart to share today can transform your life. Even in my preparation of this and my thinking of this, I would say almost every day and sometimes several times a day, the truth of this comes back and I ask myself a question that releases new possibilities and new ways into my life and has helped lower my stress levels. It's helped raise my confidence levels in God. And so I want to pray so that that will happen for you, all right? Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for all these people. Thank you for the people watching via podcast, people watching on our YouTube channel, wherever they are. God, I pray today that the Holy Spirit will do for them as much and more than what you've done for me with this message and how you've used it to change the way I live and the way I think. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the revealer of truth. You told us, Jesus, the Holy Spirit will bring truth and teach it to you. So thank you for revealing to us what we need to know in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For any of us to retain and to carry to others what God wants to give not only to us, but through us. Well, according to these words of Jesus, there's got to come change. Two kinds of change though. One is the change of structure because there's two parts to Luke 5, 37, 38. One is the new wineskin. That's a structure. I'm going to speak something about that next uh, uh, Sunday morning. And again, tonight, a different message again to all of those 
and speaking about being a consumer or a carrier. And I'd encourage you, if you can, come to the five o'clock service. I think it'll be brilliant. But there's that part, which is the, the structure. But also he says, there's got to be a change of what you put in it. There's no point having an old, a new wineskin and putting in old wine. Jesus said there's got to be two new things. One is structure and the other is what we put in it, a change of mentality or a paradigm, a change of the way we think about things. So stick with me a minute. I'm going to give you a couple of examples out of the Scripture that I think will make it plain. Acts chapter 10, verse 9. This is where the Gentiles, that is the non-Jews, for the very first time, Receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 10, verse 9. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon and he was hungry because it's lunchtime. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners in the sheet was all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, said Peter. I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again. Don't call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Well, it's at that moment that a knock comes on the door. And again, Peter hears the Holy Spirit say, three men are waiting downstairs and go with them doubting nothing. Peter goes on the journey, ends up at the house of Cornelius, a Roman uh, soldier, and he ends up there in this place. And as he walks in, Uh, immediately breaking every law he's been raised with because no Jew would ever even go into the door, would not walk into the house. You never visited Gentiles or non-Jews. You absolutely would not eat with them. You wouldn't touch them, not because you thought they were bad, but you alone were God's chosen people. And so Peter, uh, having had this vision, And everything he's ever learned from a boy, from his parents, at the synagogue school, from the rabbis that taught, every single thing he's ever learned. He now steps past that and steps into this place. And when he goes in there and he begins to speak, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit falls on everybody there. And these people get baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. If it hadn't have been for that, if it had just been a hand raised, or if it had just been a nod of the head, if it had simply been something else, Peter would have walked away unconvinced. But because he saw the same thing happen as happened on the day of Pentecost, when after uh, 10 days of prayer and seeking God, 120 people, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, by the way, 
she's noted as being there. These people that were in that place, it says in Acts chapter 2, that uh, while they were together, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind filled the whole house where they were seated. And uh, the Holy Spirit began to fill each one of them. And they began to speak in languages of the Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues, it says, as the Spirit gave them supernatural ability. And so at that moment, the church gets launched. But all the way up to this, the church has only been concerned about Jews. They've preached in synagogues. They've preached to Jews. They've fed Jews. They've cared for Jews. They've pastored Jews. They never once ever thought about ever caring for anybody else. And so you've got to understand it. it doesn't resonate with our world today. We just go, Jesus said, whosoever. Oh, whoever wants to can come. He loves the whole world for God's love the world. But you've got to understand that these people didn't think like that. No wonder Peter is bewildered, raised his entire life. Those animals are unclean and forbidden. And now the Lord says, rise and eat. But here's the key to this story and what I want you to get today. That Peter realizes, stay with me on this, I'll show it to you. Peter realizes the Lord is not challenging his behavior, but he's challenging his mentality. The Lord is not challenging, he's not saying, chuck out your diet. He's not saying, guess what, I've, I've changed the law of Moses, and all of you Jews can now eat all this stuff. That wasn't what it was about, and Peter understands there's a lot more going on. Now, I wonder if in Peter's mind, they didn't come back by the Holy Spirit, the words Jesus spoke in John 10 verse 14. Again, you hear them in the 21st century as a Christian believer, most likely, or at least as somebody who's aware of church. And you know, of course, churches say whosoever will. You know, of course, you will have heard it somewhere. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. You know that, you think like that, but they didn't have it. But I wonder whether Peter's mind didn't go back to John 10, 14. I am the good shepherd, Jesus said. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. And at the time, nobody picks up on this next phrase. At the time, nobody goes, what's that about? At the time, no one goes, hold on a second, Jesus, I've got a question. Can we have a Q&A moment, time out? None of that. Jesus goes on and says this, I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Now, they were all here to hear that. Peter was there. But up until Acts 10, they thought Jesus' death on the cross was for Jews only. Salvation's only for the people of Israel. And they had a new, listen to me, they had a new wineskin called the church. But they were filling it with the old wine. And God said, I've got more than that. And I want to put something fresh into this thing called the church. You and I today accept that. We believe it implicitly. We would not even stop and think for a moment 
We would say it doesn't matter whether you were raised in that religion, that religion, no religion. You could be an atheist, agnostic, a Buddhist, uh, 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 any anything on the planet and every kind of variety. You could believe in the gods of the rocks and, and the gods of the sky. You could, have all, you could be a, a Viking believer here and believe in Valhalla and Odin. And I don't know what, there's a million things I've heard people say they believe in. You can believe any of that. And we'd still say to you, you can come to Christ. We'd still say Jesus died on the cross, not for the select of the elect, not for God's frozen chosen. The reason why we have all of these slips up here for families, many of whom, by the way, are families that don't believe. They're not followers of Christ yet. But we are saying to them, God loves you, whether you know Him or not, whether you believe in Him or not. They are sheep, not of this fold. So if you ask me, Jeff, how many people do you pastor? I say, as many as I can. I pastor people that have never walked in this church building, but I'm their pastor. How do I know that? Because they come up to me as one man's already done twice this week, come up to me, never been to this church. And he said, I want to thank you for praying for me. I'm starting to get better. Now I'm pastoring him, even though he's not on our database. He's never brought an offering to church. He's never sat in a seat. He's never lifted his hands to worship God, but I'm pastoring him. At this point, other sheep have I. And for the first time ever, the church begins to get a shift in the way they think. By the way, not without some struggle. They wrestled over this. Paul had to go back. And when he went back to the leaders at Jerusalem and said, guess what God is doing? They went, whoa, hold a second here. We thought it was only just going to be a couple of Gentiles. Now it looks like they're coming in wholesale. Everybody's coming in. People are coming to Christ. Wow, what about all of our Jewish tradition? What about our culture? What about the way we do stuff? And all of a sudden, these people are wrestling not with something God is doing. They're wrestling with the loss of what they like. Every time God challenges your mentality, He will challenge you to lose something you like. Oh, this morning, you can just chew on that one for a minute. Write that one down. Because the Word of God is meant to challenge, not just behavior. Can I say this? I grew up in a, in a Christian home and a Christian family. And if I went to church, well, there was a whole lot of behaviors. I remember because I had really, really long hair. I was a rebel. Well, I was really. I knew that it peeved everybody, which is why I liked it so much. I remember once my mum plaited my hair and it fitted into my top shirt pocket. Oh man, I love that. And the more they didn't like it, the more I loved it. Oh, it was a lot more than hair to me. It was a symbol of my independent thought. I'm not going to look like them. I'm going to look like all them. <laughs> Funny that, isn't it? All the people that are rebelling all look like the same. Anyway, that's just another thought. I'll just chuck that one in there. And you know, I remember, I remember at one point, this is a true story. 
I remember one night I was about to go and tell some Christians what I thought of them. And it wasn't going to be pleasant. I'm going to go, I had it all, I've got the this, this script running in my head, I'm going to give them this and I'm going to go this and it's going to end with a few hand gestures that, thank God I'm redeemed now and I don't even remember them. <laughs> but I'm about to let it go. And I tell you no lie, in my little flat on my own, conviction came out of nowhere and I realized that what I was about to do, I can explain it no other way. Out of nowhere, I immediately knew what I was doing was wrong and was a sin against God. Even though I wasn't following him. Out of nowhere. It was midnight. I got up, got in my car, drove down to the minister's house, knocked on the door, and this is why I said, I've come to repent. Well, A, it was midnight. B, I look like the kind of people you shouldn't let in your front door. But they let me in. But do you know how the conversation went from there? I'm not saying this to be rude to them. But they prayed with me and then they said, well, I suppose now you'll cut your hair. I remember that really. I thought, was that what this is about? And so I went back and reversed my repentance. (laughs) I repented of my repenting. I re-repented and went about my life again until the Holy Spirit grabbed me a couple of years after that through a, a, a spirit-filled gathering that I happened to be at. And see, I grew up with the idea that following Christ, the Word would challenge your behaviours. Don't do this. Don't do that. Now, I, I actually agree with all the things they said I shouldn't do, that I did anyway. There was a few things, let's just say, there was a few substances that mum never cooked <laughs> that I took into my life. And I'm just glad right now my mum's in heaven and she's not listening to my message. Because she doesn't know half the story. I'll get this from my sisters later. They, they watch it on podcast. They're going to go, what was that about? And I'm going to say, none of your business. <laughs> get this this morning. The Word of God is meant to challenge not just behaviours, it's got to challenge the way we think. Peter has to think differently about who God wants to reach and who God loves. He's got to think differently because up to now, every Gentile house, he's walked past and just thought, who cares? Now he walks past Gentiles' houses he says, sees Gentile uh, uh, business owners. And now he goes, I wonder if they are looking for Christ. And it didn't come about because God passed a minute at the Jerusalem church annual general meeting saying, we're going to embark on a missions endeavor to reach these people. It came about because God intervened and changed the way somebody thought. Let me give you another example. When as a new Christian, after I had re-re-repented, I didn't say I, I came to Christ easily. When as a new Christian, I first heard teaching about tithing. Now we've already received the offering, so let go of your wallet. We're not taking a receptacle. No wonder. Let go. It's all right. When I, as a new Christian, first heard teaching on the tithe, I heard it as a challenge to my behaviour. One which, by the way, I obeyed. I'd never done it in my life, never heard about it. But I thought, well, they said it's in the Bible. They showed me it was in Malachi 3. 
and verse 10 where it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Try me now and this says the Lord of hosts, if I won't open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, there won't be room enough to receive it. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he won't destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all nations will call you blessed. For those who do wickedness are raised up, they even tempt God and go free. Well, see, I read that and quite simply, I took it as a challenge to my behaviour, one which I obeyed. I began to tithe from that moment on. But listen, I saw very little of the blessing of God that Malachi 3, 10 to 12 says I'll get. Because I viewed it as a challenge to my behaviour when Malachi chapter 3 was never written to get people to tithe. Listen to this. It was never written to get those people, nor you or I, to tithe. It was written as a challenge to the way they thought. How do I know that? Go on to verse 13, the very next verse of Malachi 3. Your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said, these people that were not tithing, you've said it's useless to serve God. Their mentality is, what's the point of honouring God when nothing good happens to me? What profit is it that we have kept His ordinance or His rule and that we have walked before as mourners before the Lord of hosts? So now these people called the proud, the selfish, that's what it means. Now we call them that don't honour God, we call them blessed. For those who do wickedness, they get elevated or raised up and, and they tempt God and go free. And what he's saying to these people here is, listen, this is not just about what you do, it's the way you think I'm challenging, not just behaviours, I'm challenging mentalities. You think about honouring God and this is the way they thought. There's no blessing. There's no purpose to my giving. I'd be better off being an unbeliever. And the whole of Malachi 3 is about saying, can you get a different mentality? Can we challenge that in your life? And so I, listen, I changed my behaviour and I began to tithe. And I was the tither. I, at that stage, I'd come on staff and I'm teaching new Christians. And I'm teaching them about going to church, honouring God. I'm teaching them about how to pray. I'm teaching them about giving and tithing. And I'm married to Rhonda. And our first table is a tea chest turned up on its end with a tablecloth on it. We own one chair. We're renting this house. Uh, couldn't afford to pay the licensing on the car. We parked it and got lifts to church. And you go, well, where's the blessing in that? Well, that's what I was doing. I'm going, hello. Every time I'd stand and, and teach a new Christian about tithing, and God will open the windows of heaven. There'll be blessing poured out so much you won't be able to receive it. You'll get a new tea chest. God will give you an extra chair. You'll even have a stool to sit on. And I thought like that. And then God began to, what challenged me 
uh, was the word of God. And all, every time I'd read about the blessing of God, I'd go, God, I, I'm, I've totally missed this because I've got none of it. And either your word is wrong and it doesn't mean what it says or else there's something wrong with me and I need to change. And that set me on a, a search, if you like, to read the word of God and go, hold a second here, because you know what? I grew up in a home where there was never seemingly enough. Well, there was, but we, there was never more than enough. And I just took that whole mentality over into the kingdom of God. I thought, you know, that if God was going to do something, well, he'd just give you a little bit. He didn't want to give you too much because God didn't want you proud. He didn't want you having so much lest you, that you become self-sufficient. It never occurred to me that maybe God wanted me to have more so that I could do more for others. That thought was not in my head. There were so many mentalities that had to change in my life. And the word is meant to challenge not just behavior. It's meant to challenge the way we think. Let me ask a couple of questions when it comes to God's grace. What's your mentality about those who God loves and those God will reach? Who are the people in our society that you go, they're losers? They'll never come to Christ. They hate God. They live a life against God. So God, obviously, I'm amazed how many Christians will pray judgment on the people the Holy Spirit is trying to reach. Just thought I'd throw that one out there for a second. I know I'm preaching this so greatly and so many people are loving it. I feel the warmth. But it's true, isn't it? When it comes to the grace of God, what's your mentality about who God wants to reach? I just finished reading a book called God is Good for You. It's written by an Australian journalist. He is uh, a Catholic believer, married to, I think she's Sikh, uh, by background and by religion. And he wrote this, and at the last chapter he talks about, he interviews all these famous politicians, many of whom, I've got to be honest, I would have said, they're ungodly, they're atheist, they're agnostic, they're against God. God removed them from office. Smite them with boils and emeralds. <laughs> well, I never prayed that. But. And then I read in this chapter interviews he's done with these people who say, I love God. I have faith. Bill Hayden, Australia's foremost agnostic, gets baptized about a month ago. When they go, Bill, is this just fire insurance for your future? He says, no, I've come to a faith that Jesus is who Jesus says he is and that the Bible's true. The man who stood in front of everyone and said, I don't believe. Wow. When it comes to God's grace, who have you written off? Have you got a loved one? You go, oh, God, they're, God, they're, God what a pest. What a, oh, God. Oh, God. And that's about all you can say. Oh, God. And then you get really angry because God tries to bless them. And you're going, God, don't bless them, bless me. I'm the one. Give me that new job. Lord, let me win the new car. And they get it. When it comes to generosity, what's your mentality about the blessing of God? It's only for a few. It's occasional. Let me give you one more because there's plenty of them. We're talking about mentalities. 
talking about wineskins, talking about putting a new wine. There's no point changing structure if our thinking stays the same. And I could be talking here about reaching the lost. I could be talking about healing. I could be talking about the problems that we encounter in life. I could be talking about peace in your life. Every single one. If you are struggling today, I would encourage you to go to the Word and let it challenge your mentality. The way you think about what God wants to do. Luke 11 verse 1. The disciples say to Jesus, he's praying in a certain place. When he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples. Now they are not asking Jesus for a new cutesy prayer, the latest trend in praying. Lord, I watched on YouTube the other day a really hot new prayer that's going up with a bullet. It was at number 20. I'm pretty sure it's going to make number one prayer. They're not asking that because they've grown up with prayer. They've grown up with the kind of prayers where Pharisees, you know, that's the religious leaders, would actually stand in aisle four of the supermarket and begin to pray, Oh God, thank you for choosing me. They did this. Says they're in the marketplace. They're in aisle four baking soups and tinned vegetables. You're pushing your shopping trolley along. All of a sudden you hit a Pharisee. Because the Pharisee's so busy praying and throwing his arms up in the air and letting everyone know. He's standing at the bakery. You're just waiting to get a pie with tomato sauce. And he's got to stand in front of the bakery making a big song and dance about how God, thank, thank you, Lord, I don't eat bacon pies. It's okay. You can relax a bit. Some of you are looking a bit like, oh, let me just hide in case he gets me next. They've come up with, they've grown up living with prayers. They're used to praying. They're not asking Jesus for a new structure. Pharisees have been praying to be heard for years and years and years. So watch Jesus' response. Remember, the word is meant to challenge not just behavior. It's to challenge the way we think. Next verse, verse 2 of Luke 11. So he said to them, when you pray, now watch this because you think it's just normal. They are shocked and grab their hearts. He said, when you pray, say, our Father. One of the reasons they crucified Jesus, one of the charges they brought against him was exactly that. They said, he called God his Father and is therefore a blasphemer, so we want him dead. And he says to them, when you pray, this is how you start, our Father. Wow. They'd never heard a Pharisee in their life ever walk down aisle four saying, oh, Father. They had even what they called the Tetragrammaton, the unpronounceable name of God, so that they did not even say his name. They thought it was too holy for a human to utter. They'd call him the invisible one. Huh? And all of a sudden, Jesus starts challenging what they think. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Watch this. Let your will get done on earth just like it is in heaven. How many Christians have prayed that prayer? And I don't know what we think. We talk about a challenge to your mentality. Jesus is saying, I want your world to look like mine. Are you shocked like I'm shocked? Even when I say it and I know it, 
I'm still shocked. God is oh yeah, well in the sweet by and by we shall meet on that beautiful shore. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Oh, one day over yonder, we'll never more wander, and I'll meet Rhonda. I threw that, that's not in the song. Oh, Beulah land, sweet Beulah land. We sing all these songs about heaven because we think the earth, can I say this? The earth sucks. We all want to die to go there. Well, most of us don't want to die and go there. We just tell everybody we want to go there. We'd like it to be as long as possible and as painless at the transition as we can get it. And he says to his disciples, I want you to pray. Come on, are you with me this morning? He says, I want you to pray like this. Let my world look like yours. Hello? Imagine if, listen, imagine if your workplace looked like heaven. And that's just for the staff of the church. Huh? Instead of that, we're going around going, oh, God, I hate this, and the government this, and oh, God, they're useless, and all politicians, oh, God, and, you know, the banks, you know, and then everybody, God, it's so horrible. Oh, God. I've got a friend of mine every Thursday says to me, it's Thursday, Jesus is coming back on a Thursday. <laughs> he just starts the conversation by saying, oh, Bill, he calls me Bill. He says, Bill, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And I'm going, really? I, I just come out of Tuesday night prayer and, and worship night, which was so amazing. And God turns up and starts making this world look like his world. Huh? Jesus, th- these disciples, all they can think about is filthy Roman oppressors. Smite them all, God. Come down with the angel of death and kill them all. Just like you did to the Ammonites and the Amorites and the Jebusites and the Vegemites and the Bob. Kill them. That's all they're thinking about. And then Jesus says, I want you to think like this. I want you to pray like this. Lord, let my world start looking like yours. Then he goes on and says, I want you to forgive like God does. And everyone's going like, hello, are you serious? We believe in an eye for eye and a tooth for a tooth. And if we can get a whole mouthful of teeth for one tooth, we're into that. And that'll teach them for next time. Whoosh. Huh? No wonder there were so many blind people for Jesus to heal. And then he says, I want you to start forgiving people. Come on. Listen, you've got to read the word of God differently. Well, I'm going to do this. Here's the Ten Commandments. That's all some people know. When they don't realize that this whole book is about challenging the way you and I think about life and about God. Come team, please. I want us to sing again that uh, song in a minute, uh, the new wine chorus, if we could, please. I think it's so brilliant. Let me just show it to you again, Luke 5, 37 to 38. No one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine, ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. New wineskins of behavior and habit are great, but they need to have put into them the new wine of fresh mentalities. 
What does God challenge you today about your life? Maybe it's about healing. Jesus called healing the children's bread. You've returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls, it says in 1 Peter 2, by whose stripes you were healed. When it comes to family, so often the scripture says salvation's come to the household. Jesus spoke about peace and says, I've given it to you. When it talks about our capacity and our ability, the scripture says, I can do all things. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 says, He's made us able ministers of the new covenant. I'm not trying, I am. But maybe the mentality's got to shift. Because maybe everything in your life so far has said, try harder, try harder, try harder, try harder. So many people are trying harder to be Christians. I'm trying hard to be a good Christian. Well, thank you for trying. But last I checked, the scripture says Jesus finished the work. He never said, behold, it's starting. He said, it is finished. But see, my my mentality, if I think he just started, now it's up to me to struggle my way through, try a lot harder, try to finish this off, try to be good, try to be better. Try, oh God, oh God, there's so many sins. I have so many sins. Oh God, I'll be here forever. I'll have to lift 180 just to conquer the sins. Some people are hoping to get old age so their sins just get worn out. But if I get a change in mentality, Jesus, you said I am a new creature in Christ. That's who I really am. That's who I really am. What a difference that makes in our life and world. Amen. Stand with me a minute. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to each one of us. Oh, God, you are one to put new wine into new wineskins. God, where there are things in our life, the way we think, every one of us have got them. I've still got them, Lord. Would you help us let the Word challenge the way we think about you and about life and about ministry and about serving you, about honouring you about generosity, about all kinds of stuff. So we receive everything you have for us in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's sing together this chorus. Just sing it through once, please. Me a vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever. Come on, sing that. You want me whatever you want me to be. Yes, Lord. I can't with nothing but all you have given me Jesus bring new wine out of me Lord we pray today that you'll birth something new into us so we've got something to pour out because the new wine is not just about us and about what we get what we have and what we can do. It's about what you want to do, not just for us and to us, but what you want to do through us. Help us with that in the name of Jesus. God, we pray for all these families. Would you just for a minute, put your hand toward these things here and could I have the extras, please? My mercy, mine. And I've got a couple more in here as well. We just want to make sure we get them all included. Thank you for all of these. We won't forget them. We're going to keep these and at our prayer and worship nights, we'll bring them out over the next 12 months. 
so that we keep praying for your families and your loved ones. You know, I read some of these and, and uh, I don't know all the people because they're anonymous. But you read some of them and realize they're, they're not someone saying, well, wouldn't it be nice if we got a new house? But the people talking here out of families that are broken apart by addictions and people that look like they're going to lose everything and, and all kinds of pain and heartache in the human family. Thank God for a God who loves family. Amen. I'm just going to ask my wife, Rhonda, if she would come. I'm going to get her to pray and lead us in prayer. Thank you, darling. Just get her to pray for all of these here. I'm going to ask you all to put your hand toward them. Believe God with us today. I know this is only a moment. Some might go, well, gee, you know, couldn't we do more? Oh, I'm sure we are. And I'm sure we will. But I think moments like this actually can be a turning point. Never underestimate prayer. Cornelius, who I read about today, it says two things about him. Your prayers and your giving have ascended before God. This guy just wondered whether God ever heard it. What a difference God made. Thanks, Rhonda. Thank you, Jesus. Put your hand water, everybody. Heavenly Father, we pray for every family, every family me- member mentioned on these cards and being lifted up in our hearts today. Lord, for the grieving and for the broken. Lord, for the sick, for the hurting, for those in financial, physical needs. Father, we just ask by your Holy Spirit, you touch each life mentioned here. Holy Spirit, that you'll go on a journey with each life, with each family, each member, that you'll bring them, Lord, to a place of wholeness and healing, provision and salvation. We ask in the precious name of Jesus, who died for each one of them. Amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Rhonda. Keep praying, won't you, if you've put a name up there, and I know lots of us have. Never despair. There is a God who loves them and is reaching for them. Don't be the person who says it's just about shaping up. It's about cutting your hair. Be the person who says, I see the Holy Spirit's at work in your life in the name of Jesus. Some of you here, I don't imagine it's just in this service. Maybe it is. But maybe too, it's been weeks and months that you've been thinking about God. Something inside of you that was never there before starts making you wonder about God. I think part of all of us hopes that God's there. Even if we don't know Him, we hope there's a heaven. Songs are sung about it. Tell me there's a heaven. Because we want, we want to know that there's something more than this life, and there is. Well, it'd be nice if it was just a lovely hope, except for the fact that 2,000 years ago, a real human being who existed was nailed to a cross The only person who was completely innocent ever on the planet was him. The religious leaders said, we don't find any fault in him. The civil leaders said, we can't find any fault in him. He's declared pure and yet he still sacrificed willingly. He said about himself, I don't have to do this. But for this cause, I came into the world. And what was the cause? The cause was 
bringing people to God. The cause was that you can know God. You can walk with God. That's not the spirituality gene. That's not experience out of your background. That's the eternal heavenly Father who created the universe saying, I care about you. But there's got to come a change in mentality. See, my mentality was, well, when I'm old, this is honestly mine, when I'm old and I'm out in my rocking chair out the front of my house and I've had my fun, then I'm going to think about God. That lasted until the first of my friends died young. And I began thinking, well, maybe I don't have that picture. It's going to be mine. I'm so glad that even though it was a thought of fear that brought me to Christ, that wasn't God trying to make me afraid. It was His way of using what was going on in my world to bring me to Himself. And I said yes to Jesus. Best day of my life. I want to pray for people that are here right now, just wherever you are, just where you stand. Just bow your head with me a moment. Close your eyes a moment. Heavenly Father, thank you for everybody that's here. Some of you here right in this place right now, you know you want to say yes to Jesus today. You don't want to wait another minute more. You want to do it right now. I'd love to pray for you right where you stand. I won't embarrass you. If that's you, just slip your hand up so I know I'm praying for you. Just put it up wherever you are and I'll just see it. And then I'll pray with you this morning. You can say yes to Jesus right wherever you are. Just slip it up, wave it around. If I can't see you, there's a lot of people here and and I don't want to miss you out wherever you are. Thank you, Jesus. Pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I need you in my life. Thank you for what you did for me. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you that I'm your child. Amen. Amen. You can look this way. One of the great things that people have been doing is texting yes through to this number that's coming up on the screen right now, 0488-826-392. It's so simple. When you text yes, a couple of things happen. One, tomorrow morning, 7 a.m., you will get a, a, a message that fits on the one screen of your smartphone, gives you a scripture out of the Bible that will apply to your life and a prayer you can pray. That'll happen for 30 days or until you say stop. If at the end of the 30 days you want more, well, then we've got a whole bunches of those things that are about, I know the one at the moment is on encouragement. And uh, I got that this morning at 7 a.m. So many people have been telling me stories about how, well, I had one uh, young person this week say this to me, been to this church once and must have texted yes, then moved away back to Sydney or wherever it was they're from. But they happened to be back here visiting. And they said, you know what? It's amazing how many days what comes up on my phone is exactly what I needed to know, what I needed to hear. People are doing it. It's beginning their walk with God. I'd love you to do it. 0488-826-392. You can stop off at the info counter. You can go to the yes table on the right-hand side as you leave this lower section of the auditorium and people will be there waiting to help you and to pray with you. Amen. Well, God bless you. How many people say that was worth coming? Amen. I know you love the Word of God. I know you love Jesus and love His work in you. Are we going to sing together? What's that song you've...
that one. I think we have we got time for one more? I have no idea whether that clock's even right. Let's pretend it's wrong for a minute and sing this song anyway. And then the cafe will be open. Hope you can stay. Grab one of our deluxe barista, beautiful coffees. And uh, that'll be just gorgeous. And hang around for a bit if you can. That'll be great. Amen. Thanks, Maria. Thanks, team. Here we go. One through. 